So we have a special guest this morning, and I'm going to let Trudy introduce them for you. Good morning. Many of you have heard of our times in Liberia. You've heard our stories, and I'm really happy to say that we have told you stories about our students at the African Bible College, and I have one of my former students here today. That's amazing. Uh, we have the Kiamus with us today. Esther is back here. She was also a student at the African Bible College, and she says she was Sylvia Reynolds' favorite student. So. And Boy Nelson was my student in my literature class where we had many interesting conversations. They are here in the United States because they are working on advanced degrees. Esther is working on her, her master's, and Boy Nelson has already received a master's from Princeton. Uh, yeah, Princeton, right? That should tell you right there something about him, right? He was my top student and the top student of his class, and Esther was a top student, so uh, they're pretty special people. And now he's working on his PhD at Fuller in California. So when they were this close, we, we just had to have them come to meet you and to share with you. So you can put a couple of faces to all the stories that we tell you about Africa. You know we've been gathering books. You've heard that this summer. Um, and we have been packing them for Africa to take in January. And Kiamu, the Kiamus um, are associated with an orphanage that uh, Nelson's grandparents started and his sister is now running. And some of those books and school supplies that you've donated are going to be going to that school. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Nelson Kiamu. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like to say thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, thank you very much to this church for your kindness and for your faithfulness to God and uh, the work in Liberia. Uh, as uh, truly said, uh, we're really, really grateful to be here, and we are thankful to God for the opportunity. Uh, we want to just say thank you also to the leadership of this church and uh, for allowing us the opportunity to share what God is doing in Liberia and also to be able to minister here. So Pastor Roy and your team, thank, thank you very much uh, for your faithfulness to God. This morning, uh, we're going to speak from God's Word. Uh, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. That's where we're going to be taking our passage of Scripture from this morning. A few years ago, when I first came to the U.S., it was my first time leaving Africa, living uh, to come here, and we landed in New York, and then I went on to New Jersey where I was going to be going to school, 
Um, everything was new and strange, beautiful in some places and sometimes. Um, and we were told that the next morning we would come to the dining hall for food. So the next morning, I woke up and put on a coat and jacket because it was a very cold morning. Uh, for Liberia, anything um, less than 80 degrees is cold. So it's not Alaska cold. No, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's 80 degrees, good less than that, it's cold for us. Uh, and so I had my jacket and I walked into the dining hall. And there I see in this hall, food lined up all over the place. That was so much food. And I was thinking, which of this am I going to have for breakfast this morning? And I was trying to go to something that I knew of and that I could eat. And I said, you know something? You cannot go wrong with bread and tea. So I'm sure there's going to be bread and tea somewhere here today. Uh, and so I walked up to their server, who was, they had servers at different points, and I went up there and I said, hey, uh, I would like to have bread. And that's when my morning got really interesting. Because she asked me, what type of bread? <laughs> now in Liberia, you only basically have two types of bread. It's either fuller bread or just a regular loaf bread. But I knew that uh, fuller bread would not be in the U.S., so I wasn't thinking about fuller bread. So I went to my next option and said, uh, sliced bread. And she told me I can slice all of them. <laughs> so realizing that that wasn't solving the problem and I wasn't going to be able to get my breakfast, I decided to ask, what kind of bread do you have? And then she listed up the options. We have white bread, we have wheat bread, we have whole grain bread, and, uh, and most of those other ones I did not even know what they were, including gluten-free bread. And so I just went on and said, uh, I will take the white bread. Sounded familiar, I could do that. And when I got my bread, I almost patted myself on my head and said, yes, I got this. I cannot have any problem getting my tea. This is just going to be hot water and milk, and that's good. And so I go and I get my water and get the stuff, and I go to get the, the milk. And uh, I ask her, can I have milk on my tea? You all are really smart, you get this? <laughs> and she asks me, what kind of milk? <laughs> really? Now, there are not much, many options on milk, I don't know. So. And she told me, uh, you can have the 2% milk, the skim milk, and almond milk. <laughs> now, I shared this story with a friend, and they were asking, and they said, how do you even milk almond? To make a long story uh, short, I finally, through the help of God, was able to get my breakfast of bread and tea after navigating that system. And I've shared this story many times, and I've not been able to find uh, an appropriate word to explain this phenomenon that I had. But more recently, when we discussed with some friends here, a word kept on coming up, first world problems. That was my experience with first world problems. Ability of so many options that I had and the choice that I needed to make on what to do. In Liberia, where I come from, we also have problems. And many times they are different from yours. 
For example, many families in Liberia cannot afford to eat three meals a day. Food is difficult to have. In fact, you will find out in places that most people will try to make do with only one meal. And that one meal is usually spaced around 2 or 3 o'clock p.m. Because the parents are trying their best to make sure that it's just good enough that the children can have it and then go to bed. You also have situations where people, children, five, four years old, would go to school without eating anything. Our problems also would include just the rough roads or maybe non-existent roads in places. Sometimes when Trudy and the team comes to Liberia to come to Liberia to share, you realize that they have to navigate places that have no roads or the roads are in such deplorable situations that you can barely get across. Those are some of the problems we have. I don't want to even get to the problem of electricity or safe drinking water. So much so that I shared, when I first came to the United States, I always went around with my phone and a charger because I always thought the current was going to go off. And that is not even for every part of Liberia because most part of Liberia, you do not even have the electricity. Those are some of the problems we go through. Many times for families in Liberia, the Lord prayers, God grants us today our daily bread, is not simply a routine done in an offhand manner, but a real desperate plea for God to grant us our daily bread, or may I say daily rice, because we eat a lot of rice in Liberia. My goal is not to make a caricature of the challenges that you all face and first world nations face. My goal is not to do that, but rather I want to call our attention to some of the many blessings that God gives us daily that we often take for granted. Blessings that we overlook, that other countries might not have, that we might take for granted. You see, at first face value, world, third world countries and first world countries, or what is known as the third world countries, have different kinds of problems. And these different kinds of problems shape our different priorities. You see, there's another kind of problem I want to talk about today, a problem that affects both nations, and maybe might force us to have similar priorities. It is the problem of sin and the need for Jesus in the lives of people. It is a need that people who live with God or live without God are blind to, but something that each of us who have had a relationship with Jesus Christ can attest to. It is a need for salvation and the problem of sin. But before we rush too fast to point fingers and say, oh, these all of them are sinners and they are all gone, let us not forget the words of Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 to 11. For it is by grace you have been saved. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest any of us should boast. And that is the gift that God has given each of us. And now you might ask, but after we are saved, what do we do? Is it just good enough that we get saved and then we sit down and relax? Or is it just good enough that we get saved and we chill, we sing a hallelujah chorus, and eat some nice Alaska salmon? 
By the way, make sure it's smoked. The smoked one is really nice. Yes, those things are good, but that is not enough. There is more. And that has to do with something that Jesus Christ told us. And that might be our greatest tax, the tax of being witnesses and evangelizing. Therefore, for the next few minutes, allow me to speak on the team, empowered to evangelize. Empowered to evangelize. Let us pray. And so, Father, we bless you and we thank you for your kindness and your faithfulness. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word to your people. I pray, Father, that they will be convicted, convinced, and God challenged to serve you faithfully. Take all the glory now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you might notice, I gave you enough time to find Acts 1 verse 8. So if you are not there yet, that means you just don't know where it is. So <laughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 8. I'm going to begin the reading of God's word. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken out to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And now I read a passage that I'll focus on more. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So usually like brother, when we say God bless the reading of his word, we go with amen. If you look at this text that we just read, Jesus Christ has come. He has interacted with these disciples for a period of time, and he had shown them a new way. He had spoken about the kingdom, and each of them had an idea of what this kingdom would be and should be. And when Jesus is crucified on the cross, I'm sure their hearts are worried and they're wondering, is this kingdom really going to come? But then after three days, when Jesus Christ resurrects again, their hope bubbles up, and they are happy that they have a living Messiah. And so imagine when Jesus Christ has spent 40 days with them and talked with them, and then he's talking about he's about to leave. I'm sure and I'm thinking that these disciples had hoped that Jesus Christ was going to come and establish a kingdom there where his messiahship would be established right there with them. And Jesus says, you know, I've talked about this kingdom and everything, But I'm about to leave. I'm thinking that perhaps Peter, because he liked to do a lot of talking, would be the first one to say, but, but, but Jesus, I don't know how this is supposed to go, but um, are you really leaving? 
Are we not going to maybe try and set up a kingdom here? And if you look at the passage, not only Peter, but these disciples gather together and say, God, you know you've told us all these beautiful and nice things. We have a question. When this Holy Spirit comes, is that when you are going to establish your kingdom? And Jesus, in true Jesus faction, where he answers a question by not really answering the question, responds and tells them this important verse that I'm going to read again. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. It is not the time for you to know the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Disappointing. I don't think that that is what the disciples expected. That they would not know the date or the time. You know, these disciples were, important, were, were wanting to understand the question of when. When, Lord? When will this kingdom come? When? In Liberia, we also ask some when questions. We are currently asking questions of, God, when will your kingdom come that babies and young girls, 12 and below, would not be raped, brutalized, or sodomized? We are asking questions of, God, when? When will we have a place where many people in this country will be able to afford a meal? God, when? God, when will we have a time that your kingdom would come and everyone in Liberia will hear the gospel and be saved? God, when? When will you give us leaders that will make a decision that will help our country? God, when? And I'm sure that somewhere in the U.S. too, some of you are asking those same questions. Questions of when? God, when will it become okay to have Bibles back in schools in the U.S.? God, when will it be okay for us to be able to, in public gatherings, share the good news of Jesus Christ? God, when will you set your kingdom up here? God, when? But you will see in this passage that Jesus decides to move from the question of when and say something else. Say, you will not know the time. And honestly, if this passage had ended right here, I was going to be really, really discouraged. But an interesting word comes up. But, and if you've been married or been in some kind of relationship, you realize that when your spouse says something, an apology most likely, and says but, <laughs> the marriage people know what I'm talking about. You know, that's not going to be good right there. But the disciples had already heard the bad news because God had told them, you are not going to know when. So I imagine that their ears pickled, their heart jumped. Say, but there could be something more than this. And that's when Jesus lays it on them and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Friends, I want to tell you that Jesus' priority is about us being witnesses. You will be my witnesses. 
And that is what this passage tells us here is that Jesus wants us to be able to receive the power to prioritize the sufferings and empathize with the numerous people across the globe who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can allow people in Alaska to have a burden for people in Africa, Liberia, many miles away. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can convict us for us to want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can change our priorities from the problems that we have to, on the time and the issue of when will God come to focus on how can we be witnesses of the kingdom of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to be empowered for evangelism, the first thing I want us to remember is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what we receive. You see, without this priority, it's difficult for us to be able to say we are witnesses of the Holy Spirit, or the witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now you see, the first thing is that it's the Holy Spirit who quickens our hearts and allows us to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. You will see that Peter, who a few verses ago could not be able to attest the fact that he was a witness of Jesus Christ to the slave girl or the Roman emperor. Yes, later, could, um, days later, not yes later, but days later, could stop after gathering in front of the Sanhedrin and many people and say, without no fear, in Acts 4, verse 4, you can't stop us. We have no way to stop preaching because salvation is found in the name of no one but Jesus Christ. This was Peter who few days ago could not attest to the fact that he followed Jesus Christ. And you know the secret to that? It's found in seven words in Acts 4, verse 4. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, sometimes we are so concerned about being the Holy Spirit to others that we forget to allow God's Spirit to work in us. For us to be able to do the work of being a witness, it's important that we prioritize the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I also want to talk about the second major point, the partnership of evangelism. Evangelism is done first as a partnership. And I need not spend too much time on this because I realize this church is a church that is willing to send people. It is a church that understands that we can be able to partner in the work of God. But first and foremost, we realize from what I've just been saying all, all the time here is that this partnership begins with God, the Holy Spirit, and you. That's why the passage says, you will be my witnesses. A partnership between God and the Holy Spirit. It is only the Holy Spirit and us agreeing to partner with him that can allow us to go forth and preach the word of Jesus Christ. But even more, even more than being able to do this, we should be able to realize that the Holy Spirit is partnering with us in what we are doing. The Holy Spirit allows us to go to a place like Liberia and share God's word. The Holy Spirit allows us to be convicted about the pains of people who are suffering. 
The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness and the strength that we need to become the kind of witnesses that God has called us to be. That is the power of the Holy Spirit and the partnership. And you know, sometimes when you wake up and you decide you're going to be a witness for God and share the good news with others, you think that it's just the partnership that's blessing you. Yes, you become a blessing to the people, but you are also blessed. You are also blessed. When you decide to leave from here and come to Liberia or somewhere else and share the good news of Jesus Christ, you show the love of Jesus and what it means to become a witness of Jesus Christ. Not only by just what we want to say, but also by how we live our lifestyle. It is really, really important for us to do this. So church, today I want to encourage you. Are you willing to join this partnership with God? Are you willing to be able to be in partnership with Jesus Christ? When we partner with God, we allow the prayers that people have prayed to be answered through the way God is using us for his glory. Can we do this with God? You see, I remember that Sometimes when people leave from here and come up to share God's, like, God's word in Liberia, you realize that it's not as easy as you think. When you all as a church decide to partner with the work that Dave and Trudy are doing and Prof. Reynolds is doing in Liberia, and you give the books and you give the gifts and you say, these books might not have such a huge impact. But I've come to tell you that these books have a huge impact. These books are the ones that make a school like the Liberian River Ministry School that we have in Liberia to give opportunity to students to be able to read. When you sit down in a class where an 18-year-old is still in third grade or fourth grade and does not know how to read, and how can this child learn how to read when he or she does not even have access to books? That is the impact you make in Liberia when you donate those books, when Trudy and the team bring those books to the library. Words are insufficient to express the excitement and joy that those children have to be able to access those books. And not only are these books used to help them to read, but then they are given the Bible, the Word of God, for them to realize that God has a plan for them. I shared the last time when the church helped us to work with the orphanage and the school that we are building. And one of the kids, after seeing that, came and asked, said, but why those people, those people that are living far away in America wants to help us? There was an opportunity to tell them that because God loves you. And those people love you because God loves you. When we are witnesses and we are evangelizing, it's a partnership that we have with God and with God's children around the world. We have received the power from God for us to be able to become witnesses. But you see, we don't only partner or share this idea of witnesses by just the words that we say. We must be witnesses both in our words and in our deeds. You have to be a witness of Christ by work. 
you see in the lifestyle that you live. If a person is not willing to back with their lifestyle, what their lips proclaim, then it is hard to see such a person being a witness for God. And so many people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the lifestyle of others. Some have noted that Francis of Assisi once said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Let us live lives that will attract people to God. Finally, as I reach towards my conclusion, I want to talk about the last point. The places for evangelism are the places where God has called us to evangelize. If you look at the text, the first thing we read is you receive power to become my witnesses in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Now you see, Jerusalem was not just an easy place for the disciples. This was a place where, yes, they knew and in some place was their comfort zone, but it was somewhere where they had been persecuted, but somewhere where people knew them. And today, each of us have been called to our own Jerusalem, our families, our comfort zone, our network. Can we be witnesses in those spaces that God has called us to? Can we be witnesses? Right there for those people. You see, it's hard to fake it with your family. They have seen it all and they know you. I can come here today and one day I just fake something. And you all say, oh, Nelson's a good person. But your family know you. And God has called us first and foremost to become witnesses in those spaces. You see, the power of the gospel brings about changes. But sometimes our comfort zone can be very difficult places for us. But God says we should be witnesses in Jerusalem. You could be witnesses here in Sodona. You can't just get on a plane and say, I want to fly to Liberia to become a witness, when you cannot be a witness right here where God has placed you. When you read the passage, the next, thing, the next place that they are sent is to Judea. He says, you will be my witnesses in Judea. Now you would see that Judea has a larger geographical area. But more so, it was a place where they also faced significant conflicts. So if you want to think about Jerusalem as a place, as a comfort zone where they knew the people and had a network, think about Judea as a place where they had received conflict and they had encountered opposition. And you will see that the Bible says right there, um, in John 4, verse 1 to 3, we read about Jesus' own conflict with the Pharisees. So much so that Jesus decided to leave from Judea. They weren't only to preach in their comfort zones, but they were also to preach in their conflict zones of Judea. Places where the Jewish nation would ostracize them. Where people would tell them things that, oh, a man that came just 2,200 years ago or so, is the person that you are following. Those were the places and the places that God has called us to be witnesses. Places where they could be, uh, could be persecuted. To be witnesses in Judea. And also finally he tells them you have to be witnesses in Samaria. Places of ethnic and tribal differences. They were to preach there. And if I think about Samaria in the context of our contemporary world, I think more about the places of our political 
influence and religious differences. God is calling each of us to be his witness right there. Can you be a witness in such a place? Can you be a witness to someone who maybe does not agree with your religious belief? Can you say, yes, I will not agree with you, but I will listen to you. Can we be the witness that God has called us to be in such a place? But even more important to me and very dear to my heart is can we be the witnesses of God to the ends of the earth? Witnesses of God to the ends of the earth. It is this gospel of the end of the earth that has been standing in front of you today. About 18 years ago, the Holy Spirit convicted me and saved me. That was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. In 2008, God broke the Peterson's heart for Liberia. And this church, your church, stood with them as they came to serve in a very small country called Liberia. Later on, Prof. Reynolds came also. You see, Esther and my story would not be complete without talking about African Bible colleges. Our story would not be complete without sharing about the impact that your gifts and your donation and their willingness to be able to come and teach in Liberia had on us. Our story would not be complete, just like many other students in Liberia. When you decide that you're running a school and yet you do not have the qualified teachers, through your decision to partner with these people to the ends of the earth, they could come into Liberia and train teachers and students to be able to make an impact in the country. Through your own gift and support, they can come there and see the little children, sit them in classes and provide the books that they can use to read. You might say in Alaska, do they suffer with books? What is, why do they need these books? What's the impact these books are making? But oh yes, these books have a significant impact. Because more than 95% of schools in Liberia, and I kid you not, do not have a library. And the books you are sending would be, for many children, the only books that they will be able to have. That is what it means to partner with God in this work of evangelism. Or maybe I want to talk about the many students that come through the walls of African Bible colleges and go to different places to start ministries because they have received education that can enable them to do this work. If you're a student at Liberia Renewal Ministry, the orphanage in campus where my grandparents began and where this church has also partnered through the Petersons and the Reynolds to make a difference there. And you see the joy and impact that they get when they see these books and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Words would not do justice to them. But that is what it means to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And we have been blessed by your obedience to God, just as much as you are also blessed by the obedience. Those Bibles and textbooks are making a difference in Liberia, and I can tell you for sure. Because it's allowing young people to be able to understand that Jesus loves them and that Jesus saves. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps God isn't calling you to Liberia or to the ends of the world. Perhaps God is calling you to be a witness 
right here in the church. Maybe leading a small group. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to proclaim the good news right here in Soldotna, at your college, or in other parts of the U.S. My goal today is not for you to come to Liberia, but I will be happy if you come. Don't get me wrong. But rather, my goal today is to ask you, are you consciously and consistently asking yourself, how am I being a witness of Christ? Sometimes the place that you have been called to labor seems so small, insignificant. Don't worry. If that is where you have been placed, then do so and God will be glorified. Sometimes God will call you to somewhere of great influence and a large sphere to serve. Don't worry. Do it well where God has called you and you are being his witness. Are you called to be a witness of Christ's love by serving on a fishing boat? Then do so that men and women will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Sometimes we get frustrated and underappreciated. But remember God's word to us, never will I leave you nor forsake you. I don't want to sit here and lie to you and say it's always going to be easy because that's not true. Some days are going to be difficult. Ask Trudy, ask uh, Dave, ask Prof. Reynolds. Sometimes they come to Liberia and they have to deal with no electricity and deal with no water. Sometimes they come there and even come on necessities they cannot find. Some days God will call you to difficult and very, very challenging situations. But I want to encourage you that he who has called you to be a witness has also empowered you with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you can be a witness for Christ. So while we will still struggle with our first and third world problems, I hope that instead of getting stuck on the questions of when, God, when will your kingdom come, we will remember how can we be witnesses. Let's get busy declaring and living the life that God has called us to. May we not forget that the Holy Spirit has empowered us, each of us, to evangelize, to tell the good news that Jesus saved. This is a priority of our, Jesus, of our Master Jesus Christ. It is a partnership between God and God's people. Therefore, each of us must consider a place where God is calling us to serve. You have the Holy Spirit, you have the power, you have the need. God will show you the place you are called to be his witnesses. And may the Holy Spirit give you the power you need to do so. Let us pray. And so God, we bless you and we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your kindness. We pray that as your word has gone to your people, you will challenge, encourage them, and bless them. We pray you also convict them to serve you where you want them to be. I pray, Father, that we will remain and be your witnesses. Take all the glory now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.